Hey guys, welcome to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall, and we have part two with Dr. Scott Stevenson. He likes to talk, and we get in deep into peak week once again. So enjoy this episode. And to remind you, we have the Mini Cut movement launching very soon. Our group coaching for fast, efficient fat loss. You've probably heard of Mini Cuts. We're going to be taking you through that with our expert coaches through Zoom calls, so we can interact with you very frequently to get fast, efficient fat loss for you. If you'd like to find out more, definitely sign up to our waitlist in the description. We'll catch you soon. Enjoy the episode. You want to talk about the head down tilt thing? Yeah, that would actually be really interesting because just as a very, that was really interesting and we could talk for ages about that whole concept, but I think you outlined it really well. Um, I know because I've been at so many shows and you, you will have no doubt seen this as well, Scott, where people will be lying on their back with their legs up like right. for the whole day. And yeah. I always wondered why, but I kind of uh, used it a little bit last time I competed and I, I saw a, a bit of an impact from that. Uh, but it's I didn't have the head down tilt. I, I didn't understand it fully. So yeah, if people right. have seen people lying on their backs with their legs up, Scott's going to give you some insights <laughs> that's actually evidence-based. Well, that's different. And I think, okay. I think I have this in the paper. It's a little bit different. So that what that does, I think, without without with absolute certainty is it keeps water from pooling in your legs. Yeah. So if you've ever had a job where you're on your feet all the time, you know, the water just gravity, just there's an orthostatic pressure that pulls the water down to your legs. Um, and I had I've had jobs where, I, you know, you wake up and you got the, the cankles or, you know, the rings around your socks, even with normal blood, just from that effect obviously you don't want that on stage. You want your legs to be really nice and dry and not retaining fluid. So that, that definitely serves that purpose. This head down tilt is something that I figured out just in, in being an exercise physiologist who gets exposed to all sorts of cool stuff. I think sort of the origin of the idea, maybe it first came to me when a guy named Victor Convertino, um, who used to work for NASA, um, did some talks. He was an adjunct at University of Texas at Austin. And his main area of focus was cardiovascular adaptation, adaptations to microgravity, to being in space. What was happening is the astronauts, after they'd been in space for some time, would come back to, um, to Earth, and they're trying to give press conferences. They were passing out. They were fainting. They couldn't, really, they couldn't stand up. You know, they could sit and maybe do it, but they couldn't stand up. And what happens when you're at microgravity, there's no ortho, none of the orthostatic tension is there. You have a return of blood volume. Um, that is not dependent upon gravity, so it's increased, and that fills the right heart, which is the, re- the right atrium, is the receiving chamber of the heart, and it stretches that right atrium more so than it would otherwise. So the heart's an endocrine gland. It releases atrial natriuretic peptide. Natriuresis means sodium loss, and where the sodium goes, the water follows. So natriuresis means diuresis. And the idea there is that the body is sensing there's too much blood volume, in this case, there's not really, it's just that you're in outer space and you're filling up that right heart so too much. We need to reduce the blood volume. Then when these guys who already have reduced blood volume, the astronauts, male or female, they come back to ground. Now they're hypovolemic. They're low in blood volume. It's like they're extremely dehydrated and they're fainting because they can't get enough blood to their head because they're so low in blood volume from being in outer space for so long. So they would simulate that in, um, in experiments on land trying to figure out what countermeasures, basically. This is Convertino's sort of main, main thrust. And they figured out, at least as far as the cardiovascular demands, that they could put someone on a decline on their bed, and they would do a bed rest study. So they're limiting the lack, they're creating, recreating the lack of loading that happens when there's no gravity. And they're recreating that cardiovascular effect of increasing blood flow to the heart. So the heart's obviously above your waistline. So if you're lying on your back with your legs up, you don't have that decline in the torso. The, the blood's going to come back more, more rapidly and more easily through your legs. But what kind of once it gets to your pelvis, then it's going to be kind yeah. of the same thing. So it's not maybe a little bit of the effect, but it's not the same thing as being on a full decline. So what that means then is that's another ad, it's another sort of trump card you can play in terms of the diuresis. So if you've done you've got a situation, we piece all this together in the um, in the paper where you've manipulated sodium in the water in the way we just talked about, and you've got caffeine um, working to your, to your advantage as it having its diuretic effect, and you're using osmolites like B vitamins, really pretty safe. In order to get rid of those, water comes with that. The kidney naturally does that in order, order to bring those out, to filter those through the nephrons. And vitamin C, for instance, 
and maybe you're even like using like uva ursi or dandelion um an over-the-counter diuretic which a lot of those are loaded with potassium that's that's part of their effect you've got those things working for you and you've got diuresis diure already being promoted then you get in bed and I've like, I've brought like cinder blocks with me when I was competing in Arizona, I'd bring them up in my car, you know, and drag them in the sneak them into the hotel. Back in the day when we had yellow pages, I would steal the yellow pages and stack those up. I take the ironing board and put that on whatever <laughs> I could find, you know, on chairs and stuff. I've used just the chairs, couches. I always found some way to wing it. Sometimes I brought my own things. You can actually get bed risers here in the States at Walmart or, or Kmart or uh, sort of Target. Walmart's not, Kmart's not really around anymore. And you can stack those up. So you jack up the foot of your bed and create that head down tilt. Now, six degrees isn't a ton. That's what they found matched what they saw in the astronauts who were actually in space um, if they did that on land. So they're trying to mimic space as accurately as they possibly could. There is some evidence that we cite in the paper such that it's a graded response. So higher is going to be better oh, in terms of creating. And it makes sense. It happens fairly rapidly. Um, the thing is, I've tried all this too, is if you go too high, then you're just sliding into the headboard. You can't really sleep that way. And you get into bed too initially, it's just like hanging upside down or if you're like an inversion boost or something like that, version table, and you feel like your head's going to burst, yeah. you know, that's a lot of pressure. So you don't want that, you know, you don't want to precipitate a stroke or something like that, of course. Um, so that's another strategy that can be employed is crank the bed up like that. And what I'll have people do because you want to get to that, that quote-unquote dehydrated state where you're low on body water, where you're dry, and then maintain that. So that's your new homeostatic um, level of body water that you've created through all these measures, manipulation of the sodium, the water, the, the vitamins, the diuretics, and the head down tilt. And then once you're there, then you're going to stay dry as long as you don't add water, of course. And then if you need to manipulate carbohydrate and fats with a shitload or whatever you may do, you stay in that place by trying to be as much as you possibly can in the bed or whatever you can find in that head down tilt position. So I would have people literally wake up in the morning, check themselves, check their weight, you know, eat some food if they need to, but then try to get in back into their hotel bed in that head down tilt position. They'd spend the afternoon like that as well. Um, maintaining that, assuming they, at least that gives you, my general thought is that sort of maintain as long as they're not excessive and there's no harm coming from that you can tell at all. Um, maintain those dehydration procedures to maintain that sort of diuretic uh, force that you have and then add water as opposed to remove the diuretic types of things you're using and then add water. Now you've got two things you're juggling. Better to just do one and keep everything else sort of in place the way I sort of see it. Um, or you could also just not add water and take get rid of those diuretic things. But I think adding water is better. It's just a little bit more easy to quantify because you don't know the really the direct quantifiable effects of all those other other measures and strategies employed. So yeah, that's the head down tilt thing. I I've been using that. That was like the, my secret that I had mm -hmm. with clients for years. And um, you don't need to use that actually. People have people have done um, that protocol without the head down tilt all the time. Yeah, um, many and they've done it based on what I wrote for John Meadows' site, and I put it in my book, and then people use it as well. In fact, I, as an acupuncturist with um, with women, as long as they didn't have any um, gastric reflux or gastroesophageal reflux disease (GERD) um, or anything else that could be, you know, um, exacerbated by being in that head down tilt position, if if women had menstrual water that they battled. I would suggest that to them as long as their husband could put up with it, you know, whoever might sleep with them. Yeah. That's something I would suggest is just do that. And it would help drop water, just two or three pounds. You're going to get something like that out of it, you know, roughly depending on how high you go. Um, and also I've even, I've done this personally too, is if you have the tendency to have a post-show rebound, that's something you can possibly do as well is just keep the bed like that. It's like, okay, you know, I, Two days after my show and the water doesn't want to come off, I've reduced my sodium, I'm drinking more water, I'm applying all the same measures. I'm going to just sleep like this for a couple of nights, and that will sort of help ease that off. So it's, it's useful as a net, another card in your dehydration, another tool in the dehydration toolbox, so to speak. And it's also useful not just in that peak week scenario, but those other situations too. 
So. It's particularly interesting to me because uh, I I don't know exactly why it still happens, but after my accident, uh, I had lots of issues with uh, water retention and I was on uh, very low uh, fluid intake day to day and I had to take diuretics and eventually I recovered from it well enough so I can drink normally, but right. I will get uh, quite heavy edema during cutting phases and touch wood. I haven't had it too bad uh, recently, but it does come in. So I would raise my feet like all night to try and help with this, but ah. obviously I didn't probably do it quite enough for the actual head down tilt because I just would put pillows under my feet. Right. But it's really interesting because, yeah, particularly, I, I guess, like you said, it can happen or rather help in other situations for me. Like that mm -hmm. can really mess with my head in terms of like my, my whole ankles and my calf is looking sure. awful. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a cool little strategy that you can use. One thing just sprung to my head and I'm imagining because it's a short period of time, you don't get the issues of kind of standing up and being really lightheaded and fainting and not being able to function i'm imagining because it's just done for that short period you, you're functioning okay you can still kind of because you talked about kind of blood flow being an issue to the head and i don't know if that has any knock-on issues for getting a pump and things like that um you can't well, i will say this sort of address that question generally water intoxication can happen okay like that's that's so you can look that up that's a that's a real issue um, during uh, ultra endurance events or endurance events in the heat um, where you bring your sodium levels too low. So, and I've, and I've pushed this every which way to Sunday, you know, this natural approach. I've, I've literally never used farm diuretics. I didn't like, I would, in fact, I would very, very much caution people. I've had a, a client who did this once. I told him not to, and he just did it anyway. We went through the whole procedure and then he just thought, well, I'll just throw a diuretic in. And it was not not pretty. It wasn't good because you're already dehydrated, working so well. So, but water intoxication can happen. It can happen, you know, just voluntarily um, by drinking so much water without the sodium coming. It happens in endurance events because they're losing sodium in their sweat and they're taking in so much fluid. So, and that like you just feel really loopy when that happens. So that's an issue. Um, and you can get really, really dehydrated doing this. Like if you're really responsive to it. Um, you know, smart way to do it is like not try to jack your water up to like four gallons a day, you know, like when normally you take in one or, you know, something like that. Your kidneys, there's a guy named Tim Noakes in South Africa. His, his data suggests your kidneys can handle like a liter of fluid, like incoming fluid per hour. So that's, you know, that's a good bet. Right. You can handle that. So that's a healthy kidney. You don't want to do it all the time, but that's sort of like, you know, acutely you can do that, but you could still end up with some water intoxication and some some issues with dizziness and that sort of thing. Um, cramping can also be an issue. We cover that a little bit too. You can get you can get the cramping. You can get cramps from doing this because it literally can be so effective. So trying those approaches in a, from a, the more modest approach at, at the beginning, uh, or not at all if you're already dry. You may have to do nothing. Like you you sort of you know you mentioned at the beginning of going to this Friday dehydration period is you may have held a you may have done a more modest carb up. You may have held literally almost no water from that in terms of subcutaneous fluid retention that you can see. And it may just be that, you know, you just stop drinking at five or six o'clock that night, you know, a few hours earlier than you normally would, and you're good to go. You need to do those things. So yeah, all of those, all those things are still, there's still some concern. The nice thing about this is that with the exception really of the caffeine, um, you know, these are all quote unquote natural interventions. Yeah. So you're working within, um, you know, the parameters of things. I mean, it's a little bit odd to like, you know, manipulate your sodium and water that way. That's not something that would ha happen probably normally, but those are things that are normally coming into your body. It's their dietary changes. You may be using some things that weren't available to, you know, primitive man 20,000 years ago, but still it's your natural endogenous responses to manipulations that are, that are at work here. So you're within sort of physiological ranges, even though you're sort of making what could be considered super physiological manipulations because you're you're trying to get a sort of super physiological effect in terms of this dehydration it's a super physiological effect to have super compensation as it's known in the glycogen so we're looking for extremes here without a doubt um, but the fact that you're not pushing those in the way that a, like a true pharmacological diuretic will do um, gives i think a pretty large margin of safety um, there have been times, you know, I've known of a couple stories of 
people that have taken pharmaceutical diuretics and the cramping started coming on like pronto and like one guy you know was gonna would have died in his bathroom and a buddy of his was checking in on him who kind of knew what was up and he had some pedialyte which is a pediatric electrolyte drink you can get here at you know drug stores all over the place it's ubiquitous and just had to give him some of that and that's a, a lifesaver for literally it's been a lifesaver for yeah. people um there was a guy there was a guy at a show last year and uh i was went to the bathroom i had come off stage and he was i think in classic and he was just sitting on the floor in the bathroom it wasn't looking good and so i did my business and i said hey man you doing all right and he was like uh i'm like what's going on he was out of it and he wow. i think he t i can't remember the details um but i i have my little you know box of goodies i like all the i've like i have this some of the things i don't even know what they are anymore because like <laughs> i wrote so long what it is but i just keep it in there um i probably need to clean that out but it's kind of like good luck it's like a you know good grill you don't like clean yeah. the grill off because you get all you lose that shit that stuff that doesn't taste the same so i just leave it all in there and um i had some taurine in there um I had a multi-mineral in there. Those, those are two things that, you know, are, are worth, because sometimes it's magne could be magnesium, could be potassium, could be, could be calcium, could be sodium. It's hard to know sort of what's out of balance, depending on the scenario with the person. Um, so multi-mineral is not going to give you a, a mega dose of anything. They're not formulated that way. Um, and so that's a safe way to sort of give the body minerals and let, itself, let it sort itself out. The guy had a coach but he was sort of whacked out. So I, I gave him some of those and I gave him like another dose of those things because I had them on me. He actually felt better like pretty rapidly. The taurine works well. I, I think I gave him some sea salt as well. So it's just regular salt can be tremendously helpful for many people. So those sort of things can indeed happen. And that's why we have in the, um, in the paper and especially I have in my, in my book too, sort of the remedies. Yeah. It's not worth dying over, right? <laughs> No. Um, but they can happen. They can be remedied pretty quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, if someone wants to, it might be easy to find, I can maybe find the link and send it to you. I had a, a situation where last year I was decided to try to diet down. I was in a place where I could diet down to the light heavies, which I haven't been in for 20 years. And my diet was just diabolical. It was just atrocious. I had to break a lot of rules of dieting to lose muscle knowingly to try to make the class. And when I carved up and I figured this out with a mini practice run in the actual show, the cramping was horrendous. I think I was, I think I was hypokalemic is what I sort of figured out. Oh, right. Yeah. And I, and it was very hard to, I was able to remedy it after having a bit of a practice run, um, knowing what it was coming. So I sort of, you know, I used, used taurine and a multi-mineral, um, and even some potassium, I think prophylactically knowing that the cramping was going to come didn't completely remedy, but the cramping was atrocious. It was, it was laughable how bad it was. And that was just because I was so depleted. I was eating like one meal a day outside working all the time. My weight was really, really low. I think I gained like eight pounds on that carb up and did not hold any water at all. None. I was so depleted. Like it was really, it was like phenomenal. It was, that was a magical carb up, but I paid for it in the cramping. You know, I remedied it somewhat the second go around, but so that happened to me. And I did that. I mean, literally the purposes of doing that sort of thing is to help my clients and to be able to yeah. talk about them right, right now in this situation. You know, I don't know that many people would in intentionally, but maybe those who are going for classic, you know, have to, those guys have to really push their weight down in many cases. They might do something like that and be that bad off. Um, and this is what, again, no pharmaceutical diuretics. It was just that I took in so many carbs, um, that I think I was pulling potassium out of my bloodstream because that that is requisite for glycogen storage. Potassium goes along with the glycogen if the glycogen is to be stored. So I think I became hypokalemic, or that was part of the cause of the, the electrolyte imbalance that was giving me the cramps. So, so yeah, there's some issues there. So you want to have, you know, bring your, your part of your toolkit is being prepared for those sorts of things. But taurine is works tremendously well. If there's if I had to pick one, one tool, you know, like the, what's the universal tool for cramping? Taurine would be the best one. Okay. I could. Obviously, other than water and sodium. Right. Um, you know, you bring some, have some water with some sea salt, you know, that is going to fix you. But that, you know, that's not what you necessarily want to do. 
if you've reached a good place in terms of dryness. So those sorts of things can be loaded in um, preemptively. So get the, get the taurine there and keep that in your system to help with those little cramps that you might get. So I think that gets to your question, but um, depends on the person. That's why the trial run yeah. is so, so vital. You're not like stuck backstage. Um, people can point to like one of the worst case scenarios and he may have used farm diuretics is raising the bar with Dave Pulcinella. Okay. Are you familiar, are you familiar with those videos? No. You should check those out. I think that's like, um, I think it's sort of old school education. So Mike okay. Pulcinella, you've heard of Mike. I haven't He's, actually, no. He used to, oh, you would love his stuff. He, so the origins of this, Dave is an old school bodybuilder. He's in his fifties now. He's in the state of Delaware. Um, we would have earned his pro card in today's day and age. And he was trying to get his pro card multiple years at the Masters Nationals. And one of the years when he was going to do the Delaware was the first of the three uh, Raising the Bar series. You may be able to get them for free on YouTube, but I would say buy them from Mike if you can, because it's like his, those videos are awesome. And he just documented, like sort of just, you know, home video type thing, documented his, his journey. Um, everything from, you know, dealing with the diet and his girlfriend issues and his family not knowing, you know, like, like, come on, just have some food. What don't you want some dessert? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm three weeks out from my show, mom, it doesn't work, you know? Yeah. And one of the things is document. I can't remember which one it is, but he's at the masters nationals. He's backstage and he actually used to take a hair dryer. I, I haven't tried this, but people I know have tried it. He used to take a hair dryer and, and I think it was probably causing some sort of vasodilatory response. Right. And a, yeah moving fluid to the area, which was helping. So sort of like hyperhydrating the area. You take a, a, a hair dryer and heat it up over the area that was cramping and it would, would work okay. temporarily. Um, and he was backstage. He was in, he was going to win. Like it was, he was going to win the pro card, win his, his class, win the overall, win his pro card. He started cramping and his cramping was so bad. He couldn't go out on stage. Wow. Well, he, he wanted to, but they wouldn't let him. So he didn't get, didn't get to go. He didn't get his, and it's like, it's like you watch that and you're like, like the whole video, like he's, everything's going to that. And it just, it was the cramps that got him. And he yeah. like literally it just stole it from him. It was right there. All you had to do was get out there and make it through his poses, but he probably wouldn't have been able to, would have been dangerous. So they just didn't let him go on stage. Cool. So yeah, it's totally worth, you know, it's as important as having your suit and your tan, I think is to be prepared in the event of cramping. If you're, especially if you're using the diuretics, what have yeah. you, which I'm not a favor in favor of at all. But in, in any case, those are good things to have around because once the cramps hit, if you're not prepared to either drink water and maybe lose your conditioning, you know, you're, you can be very much screwed, so to speak. I, so. The only thing I know about cramping, because I, I, I've had, again, with the head injury, I had issues like this with cramping and things. And I right. looked into it a little bit. I just remember uh, it being like there were studies on pickle juice. Yes. For some reason, pickle juice it. helps stop cramping. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I think it's the sodium. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pickle. Yeah, there's tons of stuff on pickle juice. You know, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's really, it is kind of strange. I haven't. I mean, that's got the sodium in there, and that's not you know something you want to necessarily use. Yeah. I will say this: once you once you're dry, like in that scenario when your weight's got down to that you know that level where your the weight is confirming, and that's another aside. Using a body a scale throughout this process is so nice because it's an objective measure. You yeah. literally, if you're at 198 after being 200 in the scenario we painted you are dry. Like there's pretty much no way that's going to have happen if you've carb carved up appropriately. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So if you're, if you're already dry on the morning of a show, what have you, and you don't, you know, there's a lot of water and a lot of water and pickle juice, unless you're like going to the, in the, in the States, they have them at the gas station. Yeah. You got to check out. It's like, who would want those? But apparently people <laughs> buy them like once a year, there's one less pickle in there. Unless you're chugging one of those things, <laughs> you know, you're not going to cause yourself some issues. It's more important to like, lose a fraction of your dryness and be able to pose. So, you know, the For sodium sure. is, yeah, sodium will work. That will absolutely work. So that's, that's another strategy is just have some sodium without the water. Yeah. That can, that can fix many issues. Hey, Pascal here. I just wanted to take the moment to talk about our membership site. Inside, you'll find a thriving forum, an extensive exercise library, courses, presentations, and research reviews. All I need you to do is hit the link in the description below and sign up. How are oh, you yeah, doing for, for time, by the way, Scott? I didn't want to... As much as you want, man. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll let this... We, we'll go for a bit longer because I, I think 
like we won't be able to even cover the whole like i said you could spend we could spend three hours four hours talking we won't end up covering the whole paper which i i definitely recommend people check out but i just find it just the the idea of obviously a lot of people think about carbohydrates and they think hydration or i shouldn't cut water and you're talking about this but we've already like it's i'd like the stepwise approach of we've loaded the fuel sources which are the fats the carbohydrates they stay loaded particularly the carbohydrates can stay loaded for a while and then we're coming in we're just that's where because i remember reading the study i was like oh you like you want diuresis but aren't we going to lose some fullness from losing kind of fluids but no because that water that you're pulling off isn't going to be the muscle glycogen that you're pulling off necessarily so do you on show day obviously glycogen takes a while to kind of load and obviously i imagine fat might be similar i'm not actually sure but do you think it are you more so worried about are you hoping kind of you've done that and now on show day the manipulations are almost minimal Uh, i know you talk about it within the paper and things or are you more so yeah controlling water and sodium that day how do you like show days to run hopefully and this is why i have the flow chart the decision making flow chart there um hopefully you're good to go like and that's what a practice run will kind of tell you i just did one with um the guy i mentioned this last weekend and uh he had tried some different things he tried like kind of two different kinds of meals one was sort of a a shitload type of meal and he although it seemed like he was dry he looked he looked good he looked really good in the morning um he had probably still had everything his urination had stopped his body water seemed like it plateaued but for him he took in um I think what it actually was that he ate. It's like, a, but I think it was like you know typical sort of American pancake type, you know, eggs type type breakfast with some sodium in it. But it didn't work. He didn't get a good shit loading effect from it, and he he softened up a little bit. So that was not effective for him. So he waited a little while, and then he used. And I didn't tell him to do this. I like he he kind of like he like took it and ran with it because he like he likes to do that to the extent he can. Then he did sorbet. Okay. Put yeah. some sorbet in, yeah, which is my favorite. I just know that works for me. Yeah. And there's that's a whole other spiel. It's we respond differently to in terms of glycemic index or glycemic response to different carb sources, depending on our genetics, depending, I think, partially on our on our gut microbiome too. That's been demonstrated. And sorbet works phenomenally for me. Even being that it's a fruit source, it just works great. Yeah. And he did that and then he added some water, um, I think like 45 minutes later, and he was a freak show. It was a little spilled over still from what happened previously, but he was just, the vascularity was just crazy. He said like, like he'd never, ever seen before, like veins on top of veins, like veins he didn't know he had. Um, So that was what we figured out for him. So we're going to do, this is a real kind of practical real world example um, of what you're talking about is where he's not going to have that shitload meal with the sodium in it. He's not going to do that. Instead, wake up. I think he had a first meal, which was like low carb, um, low sodium. And then put that that sorbet meal as his meal before, and there's no protein in there either, really. No. So we're hoping that that first meal didn't set him up for what happened with the sorbet to some degree. Um, right. Yeah. There was a little bit of a banking there, you know, because you know all things are like things are kind of converging in the gut. Um, but we're going to at least give it a shot. This first show is sort of a practice run, any practice show anyway, with the sorbet, and then incrementally adding the water afterwards. And so, because with without that previous meal that made him spill over. The idea is the sorbet plus water would give him that vascularity effect that was going to – would would give you a sort of a fullness look on stage. Vascularity is not the end-all, be-all, but he looked better after that for sure, but he'll be drier because he's not have that had that meal that caused him to spill over. Yeah. So that was sort of like – that's our sort of our best guess. That's what he sensed would work best. A shitload meal was not good for him, even though he seemed to be dry. He was almost – that was sort of a – didn't follow the rules that generally you would see. Okay. Um, so, but the idea is that you'd wake up and you hopefully would have nailed everything. Let's say you did your practice run and you set up your timing so that on that practice run, so you woke up in the morning and you were, you were 200 when you woke and you looked like you had some water still you're holding on to look, it could be a little bit drier. So you went back to bed, you lied in bed, you got inverted. Um, and, and you were still peeing Your pee was still, wasn't really terribly dark. So, so clear urination, it's still free flowing to some degree and you, you stay, let's say you wake up at five and you check that. And by eight o'clock, um, the pee is dark. You've dropped two more pounds, nine o'clock. There's basically nothing. You're not peeing anymore. Your weight's not changing then. So what you want to do maybe is have that happen earlier. 
you don't want to have to wait till nine o'clock because you're getting out. You have to be at the prejudging morning. So you want that to occur at seven. Right. So you would just take the manipulations you did the day before when you drop your water and your, your sodium in your water in that order and move that back two or three hours, maybe three hours to give you sort of an hour leeway. So now all those things will be happening while you're sleeping. You're counting on them. when you wake up in the morning, you know, you might be a pound or so lighter during the actual show, but now you're down to the equivalent of 190, 198 when you wake at six instead of yeah. 200 when you wake at five or six. So then you should be good to go. In that case, um, if you're really, really dry, your practice run will have told you what works best. Um, so if you're not sure, you can sort of keep things even, Stephen. You eat what you've been eating on like a non-training day or a very safe meal based on what, what you've seen because you've had all those days of waking up and eating, assuming you're not training in the morning. And then you go and you might try some on-stage manipulations, those variety of things you can do there. I'll have people try almond butter, chocolate. I mean, some people, I'm not, I don't, we don't mention this in the paper. Some people like alcohol, it loosens them up, yeah. gets stress lower, you know, a little dehydrating effect. I mean, I've heard about people get like people, some people smoke, you know, uh, marijuana, like they get chilled out from that. It helps with stress. I don't know if that's going to help with, it'll help with performance because you're, you're loosed, you're loosened up psychologically. But so you could be, you just like, you know, go the, the even, um, you know, safe route and don't try to carb up necessarily because you should be full already. And, yep. you know, keep your carbs, you know, low glycemic index. Don't, don't change your water intake. Like literally don't take in anything. Don't okay. try to boost your sodium. You're good to go. Um, but uh, you may have done a practice run. Let's say you practice run. You did that for your first meal. And you're like, okay. And then you did what this client did. And you're like, well, I'm going to try the sorbet. What the fuck? I have it here. It sounds really good. And the sorbet just had a totally different effect than that shitload meal. You might have on your practice run woken up and had like a very like, you know, like egg whites, a couple pieces of, of toast, um, you know, something like that, sort of protein and carbs, not a whole lot of fat. You're not adding a bunch of sodium or what have you. And that's sort of like your, your standard, you know, breakfast. Maybe it's egg, maybe it's egg whites and oatmeal. It's sort of a mixed macro, slow glycemic index, common breakfast that you've had or common meal you've had, sort of neutral as far as you can tell. And then you do your prejudging, like, you know, that worked pretty good. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go to Denny's or I'm going to go to McDonald's or go to, um, was it, I want to say Nando's, Nando's, Nando's. Oh yeah. Nando's. Yeah. yeah. Nando's. Yeah. You want to go to Nando's? That's a big one. I know over there. Yeah. I've only been there once or twice, but yeah. Get the sauce and you just have a frigging yeah. Nando's feast and you're like, and you just explode, you know, because of the effects we talked about. Um, and some of that sodium can help too. Um, as well, just to just pull maybe a little bit too dry. And the thing is, when you pump up, some of that pump is just fluid that's not, it's not in the muscle cell, it's fluid that's in the extracellular space in that muscle that has increased blood flow because the vessels are all open. So if you get a pump in the muscles, let's say you've got, you know, X number of liters of, of extra extracellular, let's say you've got about five liters of blood. And let's say at rest, that's sort of distributed evenly. And now you like sort of increase that that blood volume to some degree with a little bit of water and maybe some sodium, and you you've got more um, pressure pulling water through the sodium, osmotic pressure pulling water through the sodium into the blood, and now you pump up all the muscles. You're gonna and those vessels are open. You're gonna have relatively more of that of that blood volume in those pumped up muscles, not in the cells, but in the vascular spaces of those muscles. So sodium is probably helping, I think, in that way. So that's what you get with a good Nando's or IHOP or, you know, burger and fries where you've got sodium and fats and carbs all at once. You get the, a little bit of a loading effect. You get an insulin effect um, and you get the sodium as well, helping out in the way I just described. Yeah. So you have that, that, that shitload meal and you just, you just look like a freak and you're good to go. The, um, the best example of that is a buddy of mine. I mentioned him before he, one of my best friends from back in Arizona, one of the best friends, period, and he lives back in Arizona still. Competed in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, got his pro card in um, NABA in 2011, and he was, a few years ago, he was the NABA Masters Mr. Universe. Finally, he, like, got to the pinnacle after all that time. And he would eat, like, he was a sort of orthorexic in his eating style as you could get when he would diet. It was like chicken and rice, chicken and right. rice, just strict. He dieted on potatoes and whey protein one time back in the day. 
It's because that's all he had. Like he, but he was so he would go as gung ho hardcore as they could get. But he learned about a shitload, and somehow his GI could do this. He would order a Pizon's deep dish pizza. I mentioned this in the other podcast, and put that down. Like he'd put it. I think he'd he'd order it, put it in the fridge, and I'd start eating. He'd eat it like five o'clock in the morning. You know, I think that's how he did it. I have to ask him. And freak show, like it made like he'd eat the whole pizza. Yeah. He was so hungry from yeah. how hard he dieted and he didn't get bloating and it just like transformed him. So that worked for him. So you can be very, you can very, be very uh, conservative with meals like the, you know, could be just chicken breast and oatmeal or what have you foods you've been eating. Those are pretty much always going to be a safe bet. The shitloads of possibility. It could be that you need to continue dropping water. And the way that's done dietarily on the on the day before the show is with a higher protein, lower carb, sort of ketogenic style um, eating strategy. Okay. So the the thing that we haven't mentioned, I don't think yet, is that when you're eating a lot of protein, just assuming your your kidneys are in good shape, of course, um, you're going to use that protein for energy, and you're going to be stripping the uh, the nitrogen yeah. off of that. So you produce a lot of ammonia, um, and that's going to have a diuretic effect as well. So eating like if you eat three or 400 grams of protein with just fats and no carbs on that day, you're going to have a lot of um, urea, nitrogen, and mainly urea is what you're wanting to have, not the nitrogen, ammonia, but you'll get some of that too. You can kind of stink sometimes. You probably smell this on your sweat. Yeah, it's not good. (laughs) Um, But it's the urea that causes the urea, um, because the urea really found in your urine. So that's what causes the diuresis. And so that's what you could do if you wake up in the morning, like, you know what, I think I need to drop some more water. The weights scales telling me this, the, uh, the mirror is telling me this, everything, you know, says I need to drop some water for whatever reason, then you would continue to dry out. So you go, you can either go to dry out procedure, you go to neutral procedure. It might be that you want to do a conservative carb up. You're like, you know what, don't, I'm going to just try to take in carbs, but I don't want to risk spilling because I'm not sure about my water. So I'm going to have low, a low sodium carb up here. And just go with carbs, not necessarily fat per se, because maybe you fat loaded the day before. So you think your fats are good to go. That's a real, like, that's why people do rice cakes. Yeah, yeah. That's why you see people eating rice cakes all the time. Because, you know, it's a dry carbohydrate source, dry carbs, and there's zero sodium for the most part. Some of them have a little bit of the flavored ones. So that's a really safe way to try to keep top off your glycogen stores really slowly without any risk of really spilling from the sodium being the extracellular electrolyte. So those are sort of the directions you can go, but you have to kind kind of know what, where you are and what risks you're willing to take and what works for yeah. you. So that's what some of those, some of the good coaches will start doing they'll do it the whole week. Whereas, you know, if you, if you're, you've got to being strategized from the practice practice peak week you've done already, you, you kind of know like what works for, you, you know, whether you're going to do a Pizon's pizza or a Nando's or and a lot of people will get those things. They'll go to McDonald's the day before. So they have it in the morning because they know the McDonald's works for them. So it's, 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 a, it's not like I'm just going to eat whatever the hell is there. They'll go to McDonald's because I think, as I said before, McDonald's is everywhere. Like yeah, literally yeah. You, you, know, you can't almost go someplace and not find a McDonald's. So those are sort of the directions you go, but the, but the scale, the, the scale is so important for this. And, you know, you don't want to like get people like constantly looking at scale all the time because they, you know, worry about the scale weight. No one's getting you on aside from the weight classes and, you know, weighing you in, they don't care what you weigh on stage. It's no. how you look, but those changes in scale weight throughout the week are largely indicative of body weight, body water changes, which are happening with the glycogen storage or with the dry out procedure. So, you know, if you're like, man, I can't tell if I'm dry, you know, I just, I'm not sure. And you're kind of freaking out and your weight's down. It's like, this is the lightest I've ever been, you know, and I haven't any carbs for, you know, 24 hours or however it may have been or 36 hours. It's like, and you know, you get dry just from having done this before. And the scale, like the scale's like, yes, you're dry, dude. You're fine. You're good. You're just, you're just, your perception is off because it's the day of the show and you're anxious about it. Don't yeah. be anxious. The skills there. It's literally it's your dry dryometer, you know, to some degree. So I think uh, that's a, sort of an undervalued tool for many. It's weird to bring your scale with you. Yeah. Uh, as a thought on that, like I've bought some, I've bought some of the um, portable scales, some of that fold, just to have something. You don't want to have this gigantic bathroom scale with you. Uh, make sure you get one that's reliable. I've had this yeah. happen to me, and you get on it. It says you're you're two thirteen, and then you get on again, you're two o nine. Like right afterwards, it's like yeah. 
well, that's the difference between dry and like, you know, soggy, yeah. like this doesn't help. So getting a good scale is important as far as an actual tool because the wrong scale is, will not help you. It'll just, it'll make things worse potentially. I think the scale weight is particularly interesting because again, when I reflect upon the kind of water and sodium, maybe not being manipulated as, as much uh, from what I gather and right. also maybe not the fat loading probably doesn't come into it, but normally kind of the aim of a peak week for a lot of, I think I tend to see is to be heavier. So you're kind of loaded and maybe you are two to four pounds heavier at loaded, right. but then that's not taking into consideration that drying out period that you're kind of describing there. And maybe that's because a lot of people, they are dry after their load and they don't have the issue and they don't need to drop the body water. But um, I think that's, it's just a, another interesting little quirk and kind of extra bit of, yeah, I guess programming that you've found to be really helpful that maybe I haven't seen as much or is in as present out there, but it makes sense to yeah. like you get kind of full, you're going to weigh heavier, but then as you drop that body water, you come down lighter again. Yeah, this, I mean, well, one thing is it's juggling both of those things, trying to dry out while you're carving up. Those are sort of, um, those are counteracting themselves. You, yeah. you need the sodium for the carving up process. You want to drop the sodium for the drying out process. Carbs tend to cause water retention. No carbs tend to cause lo loss of water. So if you're using a diuretic, pharmaceutical, you can do those things at the same time, although not always effectively. Sometimes guys eat all this stuff and they've got a diuretic in their system and they can't fill out. But I think, and this was asked in the other podcast, it's just worth mentioning here, especially given your audience, is I think with enhanced, enhanced athletes, you've got a couple things that, uh, actually several things that come into play. Um, one, if they've got something, something toxic that's in their body, that could be causing water retention, just a general amount of it. So the standard, you know, enhanced athlete would tend to up his doses of steroids as he goes through and shift even to the more harsh um, orals in the last, you know, four or six weeks. So those are the ones that could be toxifying the body and causing water retention. There's also this, this tendency, it's kind of an old school thing. It's ironic because I think this is maybe done in old school days when they didn't go as hard with the drugs as I think is done now to drop like injectables and drop drugs like two weeks before the show in order to literally get rid of the water to get rid of those, those toxic issues. But what could happen, excuse me, what can happen, I think is if you, for instance, are you, if someone were using a, an injectable that aromatizes, um, let's say it's just testosterone that aromatizes to estrogen, which would tend to cause water retention. Um, you may have an issue whereby, or you've got even something, it could be even with a progestogenic steroid, that's something's going on here as well. But the estrogen one is easier to understand, at least for me is now you're like you're not bringing in the anabolic and you've got the the depot of testosterone that's the testosterone leaving the depot and aromatizing you can have sort of an elevate estrogen elevation after you've removed the injectables so now your imbalance is is such that relative estrogenic effects are going up as you get to the day of the show because you cut your testosterone so long ago two weeks out so now you've got something you need to counteract with a dehydration procedure and this, of course, in the mindset, as I mentioned before, of someone who's PED using, manipulating the drugs is sort of more on their mindset. So they're yeah. manipulating drugs and they're using more manipulate. I mean, you take your testosterone and then you use your aromatase inhibitor, and you know, which helps with water with water loss as well, for what it's worth. This is something that you may have to use more of if, if you drop your test. So it's just like it becomes a drug warfare scenario. Right. Um, but the other side of things that I think is worth no noting is natural competitors just get at the highest levels especially just get shredded you guys just kill it like there's there's no room to not be shredded um so everyone is in that situation where pff, retain water why i'm not retaining water at all i'm dry all the time i can't i can't cause myself to, to retain water <laughs> yeah no matter how much i eat so it doesn't matter it's not even an issue you know none of that's really a problem at all um and in the mind of the enhanced guys where size obviously has more of a premium in terms of judging, you're going to have guys that are trying to hold on to like that 240 body weight. Maybe there's the greater, you know, I think there's most certainly um, Pope, the author Pope may have actually documented this, but I imagine the incidence of bigorexia or muscle dysmorphia is certainly higher in steroid using bodybuilders than th those who are non because 
like you guys, especially when you get ready for a show, if you're covered up, like someone, except for the Skeletor face, you can't even tell. Mm. You're a freak show when the shirt comes off. But otherwise, you know, people don't know, whereas you've got the guys who are walking around at 260 or what have you. Everyone sees how big they are. They don't want to lose that size. So they're not as conditioned as they might be. Not yeah. always. Obviously, at the pro level, those guys are all diced, you know, pretty much. But still, even now you see that tendency for guys that just, for whatever reason, it's like, you've got all the drugs available to keep you shredded. You know, why don't you just get shredded? Like, what's yeah. going on here, you know? Um, Hi, guys. Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we pride ourselves on providing personalized service that will take your physique and knowledge to the next level. If you're interested, check the description and sign up. So it, oh, just a quick note, it's just really sure. interesting. Heavyweights, yeah. like natural heavyweights, I would say they have a tendency to get less diced as well than lightweights and middleweights or middle heights it. maybe. So yeah. it kind of makes sense. Maybe they have a similar feeling. Yeah, it's the same thing in, in the NPC and the amateur ranks too. Like this, there's the saying is like that most super heavies should probably just be heavies, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's like, there's incidents where um, there are guys that are supers because just like you want to be as big as possible, you know? So it's like that trade off and it's like, it doesn't matter if how big you are, if you're not in condition, Yeah. you know, like there's to some degree in order to get in the door to be even judged, you know, to be placed appropriately, you have to have a certain level of conditioning, no matter how yeah. big you are. If you're a big sloppy guy, it's like, well, you're in last place. You may be bigger than everyone else, but you're not in shape. But that, though, that's certain, especially at the like, not the national level so much, but even then you'll have guys. So, yeah, you're totally right. So, I think that explains the mindset of like bigger guys, maybe in general, and bigger guys who are drug using guys as to why all that, all the manipulations come into place because they have reasons and they have a mindset that suggests they, they should or they have to do this. Yeah. You know, so that's, I think, worthy of note. And, with the guys that are drug using or not, if you're really in shape, unless you've got something really wonky going on with um, the pharmaceuticals that you've been using, you know, water retention isn't going to be an issue if you're just shredded. Yeah. You know, you're, you're good to go there. So some of this, this all may be for naught, but still, but still that's where you see the pharmaceutical diuretics going. That's where the guys, you know, like the deaths of like Andreas Munzer is the best known one, you know, yeah. and Paul Dillett got pulled off stage one time, you know, so it's a chemical warfare to some degree. Um, and it, it sucks because like I never use diuretics with any of my clients and I've had clients who were enhanced for sure. Yeah. There's no need. There's no need. Like if you, if you're smart with everything else, you don't need that. Like you can, as long as your system isn't so deranged from in any prolonged drug use, you've got to normally, I've only seen a couple situations where this sort of protocol doesn't work. Um, one was someone who'd been prescribed diuretics for hypertension for years. Okay. And I think, I mean, it was a total legit prescription. I think it, it threw off that person's water balance so much that like the, the drug was sort of, um, sort of uh, covering up, obscuring the ability to sort of manipulate water through the endogenous mechanisms. And the others have been, well, there's three actually. The other was a couple times, I had one guy who was taking in uh, 2,000 milligrams of caffeine, like two grams of caffeine a day, just habitually. That's so he was, yeah, so, so <laughs> he wasn't he was sleeping working. much. <laughs> oh, no, he was he had a personal trainer. He's working from like four until like nine, like every day, wow. like continuously, you know. Um, and uh, and then stress. If someone freaks out, um, yeah. you know, I've seen, uh, I've seen, there's a scenario that I remember a per guy came in and he literally, a client of mine, and he literally, he, kind of half-assed a little bit the the whole week's thing he like did it he missed a couple meals because of work and you know but he came in and it was like oh my god like this is just wow just mind was blown this is two weeks out it's like you know you're gonna have to do something just i don't absolutely you have to go off the deep end in order to mess this up and it didn't work out at the show because he stressed out he looked and it, it, it ironically he looked so good and he had previously won that show that I think he stressed himself out to the point where yeah. he held water and he looked worse. And it was like, how can this be? And it was just like, ah, it's gotta be. Cause he was just, he wasn't, wasn't sure of himself. He had no reason not to be. It was just self-imposed pressure that yeah. created the issue. So those are kind of the three scenarios, you know, two sort of pharmaceutical, um, 
you know, and then the one was psychological, I would say. Yeah, it makes a, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I mean, actually, it's it's brilliant, I think, to to see you being on this paper along with everyone else, because you have, uh, I, I guess, the enhanced side tends to be less evidence-based just because I guess they focus more on other things that are going to be more powerful that maybe there isn't even as much evidence in or natural guys are just like looking for every single edge so it's just like looking at everything whereas you're very much like you you're in the mix of both for sure and I love that this paper can be out there for people to find and to be able to now have a strategy and an approach and it provides some principles and guidelines because it's not like you just say like this is the one way to do things it's a case of these are the variables that we're kind of talking about. Here's how you could manipulate them. And now kind of you can go into it. But yeah, I think it's very valuable that it's here. And even for the enhanced side, they can use, this can be something that they can utilize in a large degree. And they don't have to go down the route of, I don't know, they've read it in a certain kind of forum or something to take a diuretic. They can actually right. utilize your approach. Yeah. A question I think I saw, I can't remember because the, the paper was just like kind of exploded there for a little while when it first came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is good. Cool. I love that. It was awesome. Yeah. And the question, I think it maybe one of Brad Schoenfeld's posts. He gets, he gets, I feel so bad just in the side <laughs> for Brad because he posts something and is like, where can I read this? And yeah. it's just like, it's in the post, it's in the post. He gets it more than anyone I've ever seen. It's like, <laughs> if you want to look for that, just go to any of Brad's posts. And the question was, and this was a more understandable question. The person obviously had not read the paper, but I don't think we would say that explicitly. They're sort of understood is like, is it for enhanced or non-enhanced people? And the question is, it's it's for both, um, really. And we don't address, of course, you know, situations where someone's got, you know, a polypharmacy yeah. of PEDs because, you know, there's not going to be evidence on that. And then it would be, you know, considered at least semi-instructive as to how to use illegal drugs, which you just can't do. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's not like that doesn't fly. Like when people say, hey, what do you take? It's like. I mean, I've had people come to me in the gym and, I'll, and I'm like, I'm like, well, I mean, I said, well, do you, you prefer Coke or heroin? Like, <laughs> like I, just, I ask them that question. They don't, you still don't get it, you know? Um, so the, the, but the bottom line of that is that, that really, and I say this in my book, you know, in a very generic fashion is you want to sort of uh, eliminate during that peak week, eliminate things that would cause retention and increase those things that would cause diuresis. So, you know, it, just as not when we're going to go into this here necessarily, but if someone has things that can control estrogen as, a, as something that might, or estrogenic influences um, that might cause water retention, you'd want to control for those. You know, if, if for instance, you're someone who uses, um, because they have asthma, an asthma drug that no longer is prescribed for asthma, like clenbuterol, that causes water loss, generally speaking, that's something you'd consider. You know, and at the very, at the sort of the very, um, the very least, just being smart and saying, you know, three weeks out, six weeks out, 10 weeks out, I've been doing these things. And this is why I'm not a big fan of like cutting drugs like people do, because then you you're trying to juggle way too much all at once is like, keep things pretty solid and stable, assuming you're not like causing yourself like undue or health risks and doing that. And as long as you have a good baseline, um, water homeostatic point like you're not retaining a lot of water um or you don't feel like you're getting cramps all the time because of whatever you're doing so you're already you know setting yourself up to worse cramps if you try to go through a dehydration procedure keeping those pharmaceutical influences on your water state makes sense like just keep that stuff even and assuming of course it's not a diuretic for for blood pressure or massive amounts of caffeine something like that then you can really apply all those principles in the, in the, unless there's, you know, a specific situation I'm not thinking of to address. It's always, you know, someone's got a wonky thing going on somewhere, but in the, in large part, you can apply all the things that are in the paper, whether or not you've got other drugs in your system, as long as just sort of generally accounted for in a common sense manner, how those impact your water homeostasis, yeah. you know, and that's, that's kind of what you're doing anyway. When, you know, PED using guys are like, you know, what do you think about this drug and that drug? It's like, you know, it could be a bunch of things, you know, you really, you're, 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 you're taking your own health into your own hands, you know, of course, to some degree. So you just kind of do the same thing in the most intelligent way you could. Um, and, but those, assuming you've still got normal regulatory um, processes in place that aren't, you know, being um, overrun by the drugs, which, you know, would be those situations I just talked about. 
you're good to go. It should work. And it does without a doubt does work. I've just seen it happen hundreds of times. Yeah. That was another, while I'm on a roll here, that was another thing that, uh, that someone mentioned on one of my posts. It's like, well, where's the visual evidence for this? Oh, really? yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Which is a great one. Like, you know, yeah. and that's, that would be something to do down the line. We were already so long into this. That's the thing we're going to do maybe with Chris. Oh awesome. yeah. Yeah. That you know? makes sense. And that's something, I mean, like the visual evidence, she's just, I mean, you can just look at Dave Henry. He's the visual evidence because he did like, he never used a pharmaceutical diuretic on my, under my direction for the course of his, you know, 15 plus yeah. pro year pro. I mean, that's like, once we started working together, or started doing that, like after the first couple of years, that's how he rolled people. Uh, I remember hearing and knowing people were freaking out. They couldn't believe that asking, <laughs> and asking backstage, like, you know, what, what diuretics you take? It's like, I don't do that. You know? So he's an example. I'm an example of that. You can, you can see me. I generally come in decently dry. I'm not perfect. I'm not a pro. I don't have the best physique in the world. That's by far. But water retention has never really been an issue for me, except for the one time with Rusty um, that I can recall. Yeah. You know, yeah. So there's plenty of visual evidence out there. And, the, and really what I've been doing is very, it's pretty much what's in the paper for the most yeah. part. So that's there. But it's But that's a very good criticism. That would be a great thing to do is, you know, get high enough um, quality images. And this is what we want to maybe do. I'm sort of, hopefully I'm not like, you know, um, uh, presenting this too early because we don't, we just talked about it's it. pressure at dinner. on Chris now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we talked about it at dinner after a conference, the ISN conference in here a couple of weeks ago is when he diets down, like, like combine some of the physiological measurements that we can make in the lab research wise. Um, He's got a BIA uh, device that he can okay. travel with, yeah, and with also, with also with visual. So sort of like try to get an association between those things that shows that what we're trying to manipulate um, and using the scale and the visual also is, is corroborated by those physiological measures that we can make to look at intra and extracellular water content of the body and see if it's actually working. Yeah. Now that's cool. That's applied exercise physiology that's bodybuilding physiology right there yeah so that's the next you know the next step i think to um you know let's let's put the put this to the thing to the test you know and get that out there and that would be i mean that would be you know that would be very very cool i think to have a you know a paper out there where they're demonstrating that and just like just simply not to say Ooh, look what we did like we're so cool we're awesome you know like rudy toot toot but so many people get screwed up like they, their shows go to go to crap yeah, because they do crazy stuff like poor guy. And I love Phil, but he's like kind of renowned and he will, he will admit this all the way, every which way to Sunday. Phil Viz is well known online. He did that so many times and he's like talked about it. He's like, it's like, don't do what I did, you know, <laughs> you know, because he would try something at the last minute. So to be able to, you know, prevent that in other people or prevent, you know, worst case scenarios where people are, you know, using diuretics and hurting themselves, injuring themselves in some way, shape or form, just at least, not happening, what doing what happened to Dave Polchinella, not being able to compete or causing a renal injury or, you know, Luke Sando before he passed the year before that, he was in the hospital at a California show, you know, that was associated with diuretic use. And that was, you know, a different story, but those sorts of things are something that maybe if you can just, the way I look at it is, you know, if you can just help one person in my mind, it's worth it, you know? Yeah. So I think there's some, you know, some good, good things that could happen from, creating us like a known safe Avenue as to how yeah. to do that peak week that helps people perform better, but also keeps them safer. Absolutely. Cause I think oh, there's so many coaches getting into the industry and they're taking people to stage. And sometimes people want kind of this special Avenue for peak week. And like you said, some people just need to be told like, Oh, we're doing peak week and you're not really right. doing very much for them. But I think right. as well, this can become a bit of a mystic thing where, oh, this coach said this, I listened to this podcast, they oh, said yeah. this. Whereas now, like, well, you've got your book and there are people like Cliff Wilson, he has his own kind of book that has a peaking chapter. But now we've got mm -hmm. like a, a paper that's open access and coaches, like hundreds of thousands of coaches can now use this with their clients or competitors can. And it can be a bit of a, a framework for them that's going to be helpful. And like, you've got loads of helpful advice just within there, like be ready 
practice it. Don't do anything extreme. So right. yeah, I think people should really appreciate this paper and I hope people go away and read it. And I'm excited for potentially some photos of Chris because I think having the photos will also help people kind of understand what a different look might be for someone right. as well. Although everyone looks a little bit different, but to have that will be really cool. I Like I remember one of the things that we sort of added was we've got all this bodybuilding vernacular, like full and yeah, dry. Yeah. Like what does all that mean? Like, you know, how do you quantify that? It's a totally subjective thing. So we had to introduce that, you know, yeah. in the paper, like, like, it's just like literally like setting the groundwork for, I mean, I can imagine 10 years from now, you know, um, uh, you could say like a, a paper comes out dietary manipulation of sodium in lieu of water manipulation results in bodybuilder dryness on stage. You know, it's like dryness, but what, yeah. what the hell does that mean? You know, yeah. well, that term is now known, like, yeah, it now becomes sort of a scientific term yeah. because it's, and they, you know, they refer back to where it was defined in our paper or somewhere else. And now we know what this actually means. And it's been, this about what we call a validation study. This is what we're talking about doing with Chris is where, oh, you, yeah. where you, where you validate, you know, a subjective um, criterion measure of some sort, the dryness like you could do some sort of a visual part a visual scale, a visual analog scale of sorts. And you have some sort of validation with a physiological measure. So those, those sorts of things will now be out there, which would be very, very cool. Yeah. And so people know too, like the paper is a monster and there's, you know, we had to substantiate pretty much everything as best we possibly could given the evidence that was there. But, um, uh, I ended up kind of being semi put in charge of those figures and I like the overview figure of people, it looks very similar to the one from my book because I sort of just you know, based it off of that, Thought it was nice. And that, that flow chart, um, I thought was kind of cool. And we, we tried to set up the, Chris did the tables actually or he had started off making the tables with the, um, the, the uh, nutrient intakes and the different scenarios. Yeah. And, um, but we, all those were put there to really provide um, sort of practical hands on like, you know, quick cliffs notes types thing. How does this happen? Yeah. Like you don't have to know all this, like some of the technical details, things we just talked about in order to make this work. Um, so it sounds, there's just, there's a lot of details that are kind of fool and fun and cool to, to dig in on. But if you look at the flow chart and pay attention to that and look at the overview, it's really like you just train everything and you keep your carbs low and up your fats if you want to, then carb up like a motherfucker. And then you drop your carbs and manipulate your sodium water the day before and you wake up, you know, hopefully ready to go. Like that's the whole peak week. Yeah. You know, if you're going to kind of, a, that's really kind of all of it right there. Maybe put, set up your bed up, blah, blah, blah. There's a couple little details, but it's really not rocket science um, to do all those things. So it can be easily applied. Uh, so you don't want people to be scared of, of this, this yeah. thing. Cause it's really not, not that big of a deal to do once you've done it to breeze and do it many times. I think if people think about, I don't know, like muscle hypertrophy, you don't need to know about like all the mechanisms and the, like the biological software that's going on or whatever you want to call it. You need right. to know the practical kind of, Oh, what do I need to do to create that? Similar yeah. with the peak, we can. There is a lot of practical advice, and there's a lot of science, but uh, the practical stuff is is incredibly helpful. So, yeah, I hope a lot of people after this at least read it and check it out, and maybe give you some props and everything like that. And I, I want to say a massive thank you for you taking the time. You always give me so much of your time, Scott. I really appreciate it, and I, I know the audience love having you on. So, thank you so much for coming on. And just in case people aren't aware, where should they kind of look to reach uh, out for you? And obviously. We mentioned your book a few times and I think it's worth mentioning again, kind of be your own bodybuilding coach. People can pick that up as well. Yeah. Instagram is like the hub now, I guess. That's yeah, it seems to be. <laughs> yeah. So it's fortitude underscore training. I think if you just type in Scott Stevenson, you'll find me. And I've got the profile URL that has the links to the book. Fortitude training is my training system. I got to work on a new version of that to come out sometime soon. And the be your own bodybuilding coach is on Amazon. Um, if you, if you buy a PDF and it's not from me, then you bought a pirated one just so people know there's tons of them out there. Yeah. I like the PDF. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it happens, is what it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have like dozens of people that go to buy it on my site and then they abandon their cart because it costs more than the other ones. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> like every week I get, Oh, I get the notification by the way, there's pirated pirates out there. Uh, but the PDF is very cool because it's hyperlinked like a mofo. So you can read through, and if I refer to amino acids or refer to, you know, polyunsaturated fatty acids, you can click on that. It'll take you to that section. And then if you see references related to 
something that I state, you can click on that and it'll take you to the references at the bottom. So it's if someone who likes to travel down rabbit holes and navigate using the Acrobat where you just hit, you know, command or Apple left, it'll take you right back to where you once were. So you can bounce around. It's a 400 page book. So it gets to be kind of a pain in the butt to navigate unless you like, like sticky notes, you know, in your, but some people like the hardcover too. So that's why we have that. But the PDF is nice as well. So those are both available. So, awesome. Yeah, yeah. The, I think I have the PDF one, so it's nice, the hyperlinks yeah. and things. Yeah, I don't notice it until then I click on it. I'm like, oh, that's handy because a lot of eBooks don't have that. So it's yeah. very much appreciated, especially for, yeah, the rabbit holes and looking at the yes. references and everything like that. So yeah, yeah thank you again, Scott. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you soon. I'll make sure all of that is linked below. Um, people probably know that already. So cheers, guys. Take care. Thank you. So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Floor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course. Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger, to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people. Uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically, we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is going to be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there. You can ask questions, but also you can, you can lock your journey. There's also going to be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics, discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're gonna have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're gonna go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them. We cap them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're going to be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.